Good morning, everyone. I don't know about y'all, but I don't know but of a few times that I've been in a service when we had baptisms and the communion meal at the same time. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but there's a lot of reasons why people may think why you get baptized. And there may be a lot of reasons of people why you think you would want to participate and take part of the communion meal. But if you are a believer and you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior and believe that He is Lord, you know, there's a lot of reasons you can say you get baptized, but the biggest one I know of is because Jesus told us to. And Jesus told us personally to go and make disciples and to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And being baptized is one of the first steps that you take, and it's an act of obedience of following Jesus Christ as your Lord, if He's your Savior. And I don't know about you, but I always love the church service when baptisms are being performed, and we see people making that commitment to Christ. And baptism is about our commitment to Jesus, to be willing to follow Him and to obey Him. The communion meal, to me, celebrates Jesus' commitment to us. How committed was Jesus to us? He gave his life. He died and shed his blood so that we might have salvation. This morning, I don't know what you understand about the Passover and its connection to the communion meal, but I want to talk to us this morning from the book of Matthew. And if you are a student of the Word of God and you've studied very much, you realize that Matthew is the most Jewish of the four Gospels. Matthew wrote this, and if we look here, the night of Jesus' betrayal, right up to that, the, was doing the Passover, the, the un, Feast of Unleavened Bread Week. And as you look here with me, I want you to read in verse 1 of chapter 26. I'm going to put it on the screen for those who don't have their Bible. But I want you to notice something it says, And only Matthew's gospel makes this clear. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings that he said to his disciples, you know that after two days is the Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. You know, it was foreordained before the foundation of the world that Jesus Christ would be slain, the Lamb of God for the sins of humans. And it was ordained that he would do up on the Passover. You know, a lot of times I don't think we understand the importance of realizing the significance of Jesus dying on, as Jesus died on Good Friday, that was the Passover. The day that Christ was put on the cross the night before would have been a celebration that many of us do not really understand. And I want to kind of tie the two together this morning because it makes you really see this in a new way and you know as you begin to look Jesus when he said that you know that today is two days from the Passover he was in the middle of the feast of unleavened bread the feast of unleavened bread was a feast that lasted a whole week and it ended with Passover they were in that Jesus's passion week was doing and during the Biggest holiday festival in Jerusalem. What the Feast of Unleavened Bread actually was, was that it commemorated what happened 
to the children of Israel in Egypt. And I know we're all familiar with Jesus. They were told the Jews to take the blood of the lamb and put it over the doorpost. And we all know about how on the last plague, when God delivered Egypt, them from Egypt, how they put the blood over the door. But I want you to turn with me this morning because I want to show you some things that helps you to understand why this isn't so important to the church today. If you turn with me to Exodus chapter 12, we'll flip back to where we are. But I want you to look at it. And we've all heard this part. But if you look in chapter 12, verse 3, the Bible says that God spoke to them through Moses. And in verse 3, it says, Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And then it says in verse 5, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. The night that Jesus was partaking of the Passover meal, the Lord's Supper meal, this is what was going on. Thousands of lambs were being slain that day as Jews were following this tradition that had been given to them. Listen what it goes on and says when you get down to verse 11. And thus you shall eat it with belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste because it is the Lord's Passover. That's the first time you'll see that in the Bible. That was the night that it was inaugurated, that it was begun when the Lord worked out the Lord's Passover. And listen what it says. This is what you're familiar with. He said, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment, for I am the Lord. You know, today the world may not believe this, but just as on that night, the Lord, because he is the Lord, executed judgment against Egypt and all of their gods, he's going to do the same one time to the whole world. There is a judgment that will come. There is a time when God will be, execute judgment against all the false gods, all the things that have replaced him, all the things that we have allowed to take the place of him being our God and acknowledging him is going to be judged one day. And friends, just as on this night, the blood of this innocent lamb was slain, and we know the story that he said, if you read it with me, he says, now the blood, in verse 13, shall be a sign for you on the house where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. I don't know about you, but if you don't have the blood of Jesus over your life, when God comes, when God finally judges this world, what's going to make the difference is not how religious we were, not what group of churches we belong to, but whether or not the blood of Jesus is over our life. And friends, that's what this is about. It comes from this. I'm going to show you how they tie together. But if you look right here, it says in verse 14, so this day shall be to you a memorial and you shall keep it as a feast. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but the feast of unleavened bread during the feast According to historians, one Josephus said that there were over 3 million Jews in Jerusalem during that week. 
Three million. I want you to think about this. The Feast of Unleavened Bread that during that week, my thing keeps moving on me. Josephus, a Jewish historian, estimates that over a quarter of a million lambs would be slain during the Feast of the Passover. Now, this is a tradition that started where we just looked back in Moses' day. And I want you to look at verse 14 where we just read. He says, so this day shall become a memorial to you, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, and you shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. I want you to notice three things he said here about this Passover meal. He said that it is to be a memorial. That's where you remember what I've done for you. It's to be a feast to the Lord. It's to be a celebration, and it's to be an everlasting ordinance. It's a commandment. You know, every time when we look at Jesus as our Passover lamb, the Passover lamb, and we remember the blood that he shed for us, we should, as he said, out of all the things Jesus told us to remember him. He didn't say, remember my miracles. He didn't say, remember a lot of things that he did in the Gospels that were things that we should remember. You know, we remember his birth at Christmas. That's literally our biggest holiday. But Jesus didn't tell us to remember his birth but he did tell us to remember my broken body and my shed blood. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And friends, when we do that, we are doing exactly what they did. It had become so important to the Jews at the time of Jesus that it was the biggest high holiday of the year. The Passover was the chief of the three great annual festivals of the Jewish people. Can you imagine... It's not an accident that God wanted his son to be shown on the cross of Calvary as the sacrifice for the sins of the world on this purposeful day. And I want you to think about this. Do you think it just was an accident or a coincidence that Jesus was able to orchestrate this and make sure that they crucified him exactly on this day? Because you know what? The people that crucified him did not want to do it on this day. I want you to look with me. Go back to the text where we were. And only only um, Matthew brings this out in his gospel. But when you read it, it says in that first verse that we read, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings that Jesus said to his disciples, You know that after two days is the Passover. And then Jesus says, And the Son of Man will be crucified. Jesus said at this Passover... I'm going to be crucified. And friends, listen what it says about the chief priest who would be the chief men to implicate this. Then the chief priest, the scribes and the elders of the people assembled at the place of the high priest who was called Caiaphas and they plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him. And they said, not during the feast lest there be an uproar among the people. The last thing they wanted to do was with three million Jews at the holiest, most high celebration of their year. That is when they wanted to kill Jesus, but that's when the Father had ordained for Jesus to die. So you know what happens? <laughs> it's amazing to me, but this young girl comes in to worship Jesus, and we all know about her. She comes in and says, and when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of a leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask, a very costly fragrant perfume, and she poured it on his head, and he sat at the table. And when his disciples saw it, they were indignant. They were upset. 
saying, why all this waste for this fragrant oil? Might it have been sold for much and given to the poor? And then when Jesus was aware of it, he says, why do you trouble this woman? She has done a good thing for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she has prepared me for burial. Here it is again. And you know what happens? We all know Judas, who was the money box keeper. We know from John's account, he got so upset, he became so disillusioned with what Jesus was doing that he sold Jesus out after that event. He left, he went to the high priest, and he said, what will you give me if I give him to you? And they said, we'll give you 30 pieces of silver. And friends, Judas, at that moment, it entered into his heart to portray Jesus. And Jesus would be portrayed on the night of the Passover, and he would die just as God had ordained. And as we begin to look at this, it's unbelievable how anyone could read this and not think that this has to be something bigger than men writing just a book. God, from the beginning, planned it this way. And Jesus died on the Passover because Passover was always pointing to his ultimate sacrifice. The sacrifice of those animals could never take away our sin. Only Jesus and his death and his burial could save us of our sins. And I want you to think about it if you look with me. When you get to chapter 17, the meal that the disciples were about to eat was a Passover meal. They had experienced the annual Passover celebration many, many times in their life, once a year. Jesus was 33, so we know he had had 33 of these times when they had this meal, this Passover meal. It was as big to them as Christmas is to us. And friends, as they begin to realize this, it says in verse 17, it says, Now on the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, Where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal? And friends, I want you to understand something. Not only had they had done this many, many times, not only was this one of the great experiences of their life as a Jew, one of the biggest things that they celebrated and one of the greatest commandments that they kept. But on this day, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, they said to Jesus, what do you want us to prepare for us to eat the Passover? I want you to think about what all they would have had to do. They would have had to go and get a lamb. They would have bought a lamb. Earlier that week, you know what Jesus had done down there where that was happening? He went in and he turned over the money tables. He went in and he caused a ruckus in the temple because of all of the things they were doing and how they had corrupted this great celebration, this great thing. And Jesus goes in and takes a whip and run them out, the money changers, out of the temple where they were selling the lambs. But they would have had to go do that. Not only that, listen to what Jesus says. Jesus said, go into the city, a certain man, and say to him that the teacher says, my time is at hand. Here it is again. Jesus is saying, my time is at hand. I'm going to be crucified. He's, the, the Jewish leaders don't want to do it now, but God is going to do it now. And so look at what it says. The disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. Now I want you to kind of think about this. Has any of you ever seen a Jewish Seder meal performed? 
See, not one of us has ever seen it. I got to see it one time. It changes the whole way you look at this. It changes the whole way the way you understand the Passover and its connection to the Lord's Supper. The Passover meal was a special meal. The table was set in a special way. The guest of honor was a sacrificed innocent lamb sitting in the middle of the table prepared exactly the way they were told to for hundreds and generations and centuries. It's a reminder of how God had delivered them and how the blood of that lamb over that doorpost had caused the death angel to pass over them. And when it judged Egypt, it did not judge them. And so they had done that for years. It was a tradition. And so as they sat at that table, they was bitter herbs. They was the table was set a certain way. That lamb was there. I want you to think about this. He told them to go and purchase the lamb on the 10th. That's the first day of the unleavened feast of unleavened bread. For that whole week, you're not allowed to have any leaven in your house. Leaven is a picture of sin. And so you can only eat unleavened bread. They took all the leaven they could find and they got it out of their house as a symbol of getting the sin out of their life, of repentance, of, of getting right for this special occasion to come another year and sacrifice this Passover lamb in belief that God would pass over them as the people of God. And friends, so they're sitting there. They've got the unleavened bread fixed. They've got the, the, the lamb there. They've done all of this. And Jesus had told them where to do it, exactly in that upper room. And as they sat in that upper room together, this was going to be the last night they would ever, ever see a Passover meal performed as Christians and believers of Jesus. Because as you begin to look at this and you begin to see what Jesus is doing, it's an unbelievable thing. And I can't imagine what they must have been thinking when Jesus all of a sudden didn't follow the traditional way of the Seder meal. They're sitting at the table in the upper room. He's been telling them he's going to be crucified. He's telling them my time has come. He's telling them that I'm going to give my life as a sacrifice. I want you to think about it. Judas is sitting in here with them. They're all in here. And as you begin to look, Judas begins to make his move. And as you sit here, it says, and they were sitting there in the city. The son of, Jesus said, and they were exceedingly sorrowful. I'm sorry, verse 21. And when evening had come, they sat down with the twelve at the meal. Now, as they were eating, Jesus drops a bomb on them. He says, Surely I say to you, one of you will betray me tonight. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each one of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? And Jesus answered and said, He who dips his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him. So here he is again. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to be sacrificed just as it is written. I'm going to be betrayed. But woe to the man to whom the Son of Man is betrayed by. And so the, it's set, and Jesus begins to do the meal with them. And this is what we don't catch as Americans. This meal for all these years has been pointing toward this night, to where not a lamb would be slain, but the Passover lamb would be slain. God himself, Jesus Christ, his son. I want you to look at what happens when they begin to have the meal. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And he said, You are. You said it. 
And as they were eating, Jesus took bread. He blessed it and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. And he says, take, eat, this is my body. Friends, that is so to us. We don't see anything. To them, they never heard that. They've been doing this every year, once a year, their entire life. This was the biggest celebration for a Jew, the Passover meal. And all of a sudden, Jesus changes it and says, take, eat, this is my body. And then he goes from there, and he passes the cup. Then he took the cup and gave thanks, and he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood of a new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. I guarantee you they were looking around and they were like saying, what is Jesus doing? What is this he's talking about? But Jesus is sitting here and he's telling them, take this bread, this unleavened bread that we eat every year, but this year eat it and this represents my body. Take this cup that we drink every year in celebration of our Passover as Jews and drink it because this is my blood shed for a new covenant. And you know, in, when you look at um, Luke's account, he says at the end of it, do this in remembrance of me. You know what we don't understand? Is that Passover was a very meaningful and beautiful spiritual experience for these men. But the true purpose was about to be fulfilled in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in less than 24 hours on the cross. Friends, as they were killing thousands of lambs that night, Josephus says that he estimates over a quarter of a million lambs, three million Jews would leave their homes, all come to the holy city to all celebrate this event, to sacrifice this Passover lamb for another year for their sins to be passed over. The true Lamb of God was sitting in their midst and they didn't even see it. Do you believe today that there's people all around us who don't see that Jesus is the Lamb of God who can take away their sins? We take for granted that we understand all this when people are all around us who have no clue, just like they didn't. And he was their own Messiah. I want you to think about this. The blood of animals was never able to take away their sins. It was never intended for this to be the end. This was the beginning. The Passover was a picture of pointing to the cross, preparing them for the sacrifice. Listen what the book of Hebrews says. It reminds us, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats can take away sins. The Bible says in the book of Leviticus that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. From the first dime when men sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing God did was he took the, the fur, he took the skins of innocent animals, and he put it over Adam and Eve, but it didn't take away their sins, it covered their sins. They were still guilty, they still were put out of his presence, and they walked out still under the curse of their sin. And throughout the history of the blood sacrifice, none of the sins in the, none of the sacrifices in the temple, none of the sacrifices from the Passover meal were able to take away their sins. That's why they had to keep doing it over and over and over, but they were all pointing to the one and only one who could take away their sins. And this is that night. Jesus is sitting there and he's saying, tonight, the Son of God's going to be crucified. My time is at hand. And yes, I'm going to be betrayed, but it's for a purpose greater 
than you could ever imagine. And they're sitting in this Passover meal. And friends, listen. Only the sinless blood of the Lamb of God can take away sin. When John the Baptist was revealed by the coming of the Holy Spirit, landing on Jesus with a dove, the next day when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, what did he call Jesus? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John records that in his gospel. So in John's gospel, you see Jesus as a sacrifice being compared to the Passover, the Lamb of God, the the Lamb that was slain. Friends, not only did he do it, Peter did it. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, he says, we were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Do you see the comparison to the Passover? Friends, they all understood. Paul doesn't beat around the bush. I like Paul. I love Paul. Paul just tells you like it is. Paul says, therefore, purge out your old leaven. He's using exactly the terminology. He understands and he's letting us know for sure that Jesus indeed is our Passover and was sacrificed for us. What he's telling the church in in Corinth was just like they did in the Passover. They got rid of all the unleavened bread. They didn't have any leaven at all in their home for that whole week. And that leaven represented sin. And by physically getting rid of leaven, that was a reminder to physically and spiritually get rid of your sin. Repent, get right, get consecrated because you're fixing to celebrate the Passover again and acknowledge that God has chosen us as the Jews to pass over us, to deliver us, to set us free. And friends, so what he's saying here is, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you are unleavened. I don't know about you, but thank God for the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. We're unleavened. We do not have the sin in us that the lost of the world do. And he says, for indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Now I want you to think about this. Do you know that the Jews no longer have a sacrificial system in operation? The temple is gone. They're not sacrificing animals anymore. God has destroyed the temple. He's put an end to the priesthood. On the night before When Jesus was at that Lord's Supper, you know what he did? That was the official last Passover meal. Because you know what? The next day on Good Friday, when Jesus died on the cross and said, it is finished, there will never ever be a need for a sacrifice again. That's why after he died on the cross, the veil at the temple in the Holy of Holies was ripped from the top to the bottom. God only did Jesus put an end to the last Passover meal, but he inaugurated and started the first Lord's Supper. Guys, it's been replaced. You say, what? Yeah, you see, the Old Testament was preparing us for the New Testament. The Old Covenant, which was wonderful, which was good, could never do what God did for us in the New Covenant. And Jesus said, this blood, this cup is my blood shed for you for a new covenant. Friends, listen. The old covenant could never, ever completely take away our sins. They every year had to have these religious things and these sacrifices. I want you to think about this. The Passover was the chief of these three great feasts. They were all there. 
Jesus died on the cross, not by secret. God wanted everyone to see. But listen, Passover was pointing forward to the death of Jesus. Every Passover was one year closer to Calvary. Each Passover, they were getting one year closer. But now, when we do this, just as the Passover meal was looking towards, pointing towards the cross of Calvary, the Lord's Supper points back to what Jesus did for us on the cross. Every time we do this as a memorial, just like they did a memorial at ordinance, Jesus made this an ordinance. We are, as the church, commanded to do this in remembrance of Him. Every time we do it, we're remembering what Jesus did for us, His broken body, His shed blood, and we're acknowledging the new covenant that He made for us. I want you to think about this. The blood of those Passover lambs simply had pushed the sins of the people one year closer to Calvary every day, every year. On that night, though, in that upper room, the last Passover had finally come. There would be no need for another animal to die for the sins of God's chosen people because Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the Passover Lamb, was about to shed His blood on the cross of Calvary. Every day, we ought to remember that we are saved by the blood of Jesus, that His life was given to us, that it was shed for us. Guys, I don't know about y'all, but I was thinking about this. How many of y'all love animals? And I know Elena loves animals. Do you know that the way they told him to do it was don't go get the lamb and kill it that day. Go get the lamb on the first day of the beginning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on the 10th and take it to your house and keep it. Keep it with who? Your family, your household. You let that little lamb sit there and you let him hang out with y'all in your living room. And you go to bed that night with that little innocent lamb. And you wake up that morning and you have breakfast. And you let that little innocent lamb walk around and rub between your legs, man. And you let him stay there to the end of the week. And then on that last night, the night of the Passover, in front of your family, you take that lamb and you sacrifice it. That lamb that represents that first lamb, the first lamb that they took that blood and they put it over the doorpost, over their mantle. And when the death angel came that night, it seen the blood. And because they had faith to believe God, to trust God, and they put the blood, when he seen the blood, he passed them by. But that first Passover lamb was always pointing to the last and the final and the only Passover lamb, Jesus Christ himself, who would one day go to a cross, die, shed his blood, give his body, and commit, give a sacrifice that we would never, ever again need. Do you think that it's an accident, it's a coincidence, it just happened to happen on this holiday? God's teaching us something. I want you to understand something. Why do we do this? Why do we do this in remembrance of Jesus? First and foremost, it's to honor Jesus. It's to remember what he did for us. But it's also to help others understand what God did for us. And friends, if you was to go back and look in the book of Exodus in chapter 12, this is what God told them. 
On the first day there shall be a holy convocation, and on the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation. The first day of the feast, the last day. And on the seventh day, he said, there shall be no manner of work shall be done on them, but that which everyone must eat, that only may be prepared for you. And then he says in verse 17, so you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on the same day I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. And listen what it says. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout all your generations as an everlasting ordinance. Now, I want you to listen to this. He says, and you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. You see, it ain't just for us. It's for our sons and our sons' sons. You see, we got to give this away to the next generation if there's going to remain the people of God. And friends, this is a teaching that we need to understand. Listen to what he goes on and says. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised you, that you shall keep this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service that you shall say? It is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians. Guys, this morning, I was preparing this meal, and I was in there, and a bunch of our kids was getting ready for Sunday school, and they came in, and as I was preparing the implements, they all said, what is that? And I said, this is the communion meal. What's a communion meal? Some of them were your grandkids and your kids. You're in here. And they looked, and they said, preacher, what, what, why are you doing this? And I said, because Jesus told us to do it. So I began to tell them. I said, you see this here, little piece of bread? This is, represents the body of Jesus that died on the cross for us. You see this little cup? Yeah, what is that? Is that wine? That's what Judah asked me. I said, it's supposed to be wine, but we Baptists. It's fruit of the vine. So I'm filling it up. So you know what? If I'm sitting there, I got to teach them. And I got to share with them what we're doing right here and why we're doing it. And I said, this here represents Jesus' blood. Is it real blood? I said, no, it's not real blood, but it represents real blood. And I'm telling y'all, we don't realize that all of this stuff was given for a purpose to show literally what God did for us. And if a little kid can leave going, huh, and I let them have a little sip of it. And they, then they wanted some more. <laughs> but you know what? Can you get too much of the blood of Jesus? And you know what? We need to understand that all of this stuff is not just some religious thing we do because that's what you're supposed to do. It has significance. It has meaning. It has purpose. And it has a greater, more than we'll ever imagine. And so I went and told the ladies over there at the kids' church I said, Miss Linda, Jessica, I said, I was terrible. They don't have a clue to what the Lord's Supper is. They don't even know what the communion is. What? So you know what we're going to do? A bunch of them has been baptized, and I was explaining to them, if you've been saved and you've been baptized, then you can do this. Well, when can we get to do it? So you know what? We need to teach them, just like we're being taught, the importance of what this stands for and what it means. I don't know about y'all. But can you imagine what it would be like to be a sinner without Jesus?
to be where we are and what we have become because of the fallen nature of our old man and not have the new man? I want you to think about this. As we prepare to do this, just like they were doing this as remembrance of what Jesus done, this was important enough to Jesus that he said, do this in remembrance of me. And if you was to turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians, this is what we're going to use as we are fixing to do the Lord's Supper together. This is what Paul said in the 11th chapter of the book of Corinthians. Paul said, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus said on the same night in which he was betrayed and took bread. I don't know how Paul received this from Jesus, but Jesus thought it was important enough to go to Paul, who was not a believer, was not one of the original apostles, but who became an apostle after his salvation and call on the Damascus Road. And he's the great apostle, Paul. And Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. And he says, Therefore, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now I want to ask you, as often as we do this, we are to do it. When's the last time you can remember that you was in the middle of the day or doing your court that you said, Lord, thank you for allowing your body to suffer. Thank you for allowing them to scourge you, to put that crown of thorns on your head and pull out your beard and spit on you and shame you. Thank you for allowing them to force you to carry the cross you didn't deserve to carry. Thank you for allowing them to nail those nails into your perfect holy hands that never once committed a sin. And to nail those feet that never went anywhere against the will of the Father, but always walked in perfect obedience to God and let them nail those feet to a cross that my feet should have been nailed to. Lord, thank you for the blood that you shed. The only blood that could save me because your blood was sinless and perfect. Thank you, Lord. You see, we forget so quick that going to church doesn't make us right with God. Reading our Bibles are blessings, but we can go to church, we can read our Bibles, we can do everything we can possibly try to do, and we'll still fall woefully short of being right with God. Because the only one who can take away our sins was Jesus. And I don't know about y'all, but one day we're going to stand before God. And when I stand before God, I'm not going to say, Hey, Jesus, I was a preacher. I preached the gospel. I pastored a church. Jesus, I did all that. You know what I'm going to say? Hey, Jesus, thank you for the blood. Thank you for dying for me. That's what we're all going to say. Because that's the only thing we can say. Because that's the only thing that can make us right with God. You know what he goes on and says? And I love what Paul adds. He says, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
And then listen how he closes. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You see, every time we do this, what we're doing is we're proclaiming the, the need of the Lord's death till he comes. And I hate to tell some of you, but he's coming. <laughs> and he's coming sooner than we think. And when he comes, just like the night that they came to Egypt, the only thing that made a difference was not that they were Jews, not that they had any other except for the blood over the door. The only thing that can prepare us is the blood of Jesus. You know, today as we take this meal, I know at the end of the day when we lay down, there's the one thing you can always count on, that the blood has taken away our sin. You know, I just want to today share this time with you to come with your family. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask God's blessing over the bread and over the cup. And then you can just stand and we're going to just let you come up as you feel led with your family. And when you come, I'm going to stand and you just take the bread. And as you take that bread, you do that in remembrance of Jesus' broken body for you. And you take that bread and then take your cup. And as you take the cup, remember that that represents the shed blood of Jesus. And guys, listen, if there's anything we need to do to this lost and dying world, is we need to proclaim the hope that we have in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ till he comes. And this is an often awesome reminder of that just like they did once a year to remind them what God did at that first Passover we look back to what Jesus did for us at the night of that Lord's Supper and so tonight as we pray this morning I'm going to ask you to just bow with me and Father we just take time today to thank you for the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ and Lord as I hold this bread in my hand I ask you to bless it today. Bless it and use it as a means to bring us into closer communion as we remember the sacrifice and the suffering that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ went through on our behalf. We thank you, Lord, that he was willing to sweat drops of blood, to pray, and in the end say, not my will, but thy will be done, and take the cup of the cross and die for us and we ask you to bless the bread and Lord I take the cup and I ask you to bless it I ask you to help it to remind us of the shed blood and of the new covenant promise that we have in Jesus and today as we now begin this time of communion at this Lord's Supper meal we pray that you would just be with us in a special way as we honor you and thank you for all that you've done for us through Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.